Matt, we use Anchor.fm for the Bill Simmons Podcast podcast. Anchor.fm allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And it's free. Anchor will not only let you record and edit, you can also distribute your podcast to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more through Anchor. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, which is handy for the Bill Simmons Podcast podcast. Anchor.fm has everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor.fm to get started. Two episodes. Pathetic. Lame. So disappointed that we did not get more free content, Matt. It ruined my week. (laughs) Well, that's not true. (laughs) The first of two episodes last week, that is 50% of last week's episodes. The first one was with House on July 8th. That dealt with potential Westbrook trades. It was one hour, 58 minutes, and 40 seconds long. Second, that is to say the other 50% of the entire output of Bill Simmons' podcasts from last week was on July 11th. That was with Cousin Sal, a very in-the-can interview with Camille Nanjiani, and an emergency intro not produced, edited, or engineered by Cousin Kyle about the Westbrook trade to Houston. Engineered and produced by Jim Cunningham. That was two hours, 12 minutes, and 15 seconds. Long. A little too long. Honestly, yeah. it was too long. Well, it's because he insists on putting those canned interviews like on the back end of other stuff he, he wants to do. Like, Why don't you just do an hour podcast? It's the Bill Simmons <laughs> Podcast Podcast. Play the music. Hey, hey, baby. That was our new music, Matt. I like it because we selected it. Yeah. Hopefully I'm not violating the terms of service <laughs> from freemusicarchive.org. <laughs> Here's something I noticed from the Ringer summaries on the two podcasts. Bill is credited on the first as HBO and the Ringer's Bill Simmons. On the second, he's credited as Bill Simmons. Did something change? Apparently. Also, what does he do for HBO? Well, nothing. I think maybe he produces sports documentaries, but I, I don't know and if he, he still does shit. it. Well, yeah, but so what? <laughs> if he's getting paid the kind of ducats he's getting paid for plugging their shit, Matt, We're some out. of our life decisions have been <laughs> totally screwed up. Before we go any further... There were two egregious examples of mispronunciations, and they're words that both Bill and House should know how to pronounce. The first was Russell Westbrook. They really have a hard time with this. But Bill, in particular, really has an issue transposing the W from Westbrook onto the beginning of Russell Russell. and the R from Russell (laughs) onto the beginning of Westbrook. Here are all the examples I found. Talking about Westbrook trades in a second. Russell Westbrook, which is Russell Westbrook. What if Westbrook went to Minnesota? Get out of Westbrook's contract. Russell Westbrook. It's crazy. And the thing that stands out to me is House is just like, okay. And (laughs) the producer, editor, engineer, cousin Kyle, fine. Nobody ever says, hang on a second, dude. Or I want to try saying that again. Or ha ha ha, you jackass. You just called him Westbrook again. I I actually heard House do it a couple times. Not nearly as much as Bill. Either Chris Paul or Russell Westbrook. When House did it, I think he caught himself. Listen to this. I'm rooting for Russell Russell Westbrook. That's what you would expect from an egregious mispronunciation. (laughs) You correct yourself. You try to get it right because you care about how you sound. It's not like you misspoke a word. It is a a human being's name. (laughs) The first occurred at 10 seconds. The others occurred throughout. He made it 10 seconds in. The other name that I found during the course of the week to be mispronounced over and over again was Shea Gilgis Alexander. Yes. Now, it is typical in the English language for a G followed by an I or an E to have a J, J sound. But that's not how Shea Gilgis Alexander pronounces his name. For an example of how it's pronounced right, let's listen to Shea Gilgis Alexander pronounce it. Shea Gilgis Alexander. So that's how it's supposed to be, Matt. Got it. 
On the other hand, here is how Bill repeatedly mispronounces it. They have Shea Gilgis Alexander. Now it's Shea Gilgis. They have Shea Gilgis Alexander, especially if Shea Gilgis Alexander. This is a basketball player who Bill likes. Yes. Bill thinks it's good and has a bright future. I like it better when he just calls him Shea. Yeah. Then I get confused with Shea Serrano, who I do like. 33 seconds into the first podcast, Bill is doing an ad. My listeners, that counts as you. <laughs> what counts? I don't know. What is the antecedent <laughs> to the pronoun of that? Listeners? <laughs> no. Bad job promoting. Could have taken that one over again. But even better, a minute and a second in. And folks, we are milking. We only have two podcasts. We got to get the good stuff out. He's talking about some of the things you don't want in these new Cliff Bars. So he's saying the new Cliff Bars don't have gluten, soy, and this ingredient, which we all are avoiding in our modern diets. None of the stuff you don't want, like, you know, gluten, soy, daisy, added sugar. I think he means dairy. The fact that he included daisy, daisy. is missed by him and anyone else working for the ringer. You're a daisy if you do. Daisy. Finally, Pearl Jam at 216. It's about right. Yeah. At 921, the wall contract is lauded or insulted as being the goat of bad contracts right now. Yeah. Wall's yeah, the wall goat of wall. bad contracts right <laughs> the, now. The, Goat is the abbreviation or the acronym for greatest of all time. Right. Of all time is really the operative phrase. Yeah. Because it can't be the greatest of all time of bad contracts right now. It could be the worst bad contract right now, but it's not the greatest of all time and something that is right now. Think about these things, Bill. Just don't throw random hip well, phrases in for the youngsters. When you say it out loud, it should become obvious. But the it doesn't make any sense. Bad contracts right now. <laughs> it's just overqualification. At 10 minutes and 35 seconds, Bill repeats a phrase that we gave him trouble for last week, which is looking under the hood. And OKC has had a chance to look under the hood with him. The only time under the hood can ever be used in a context that is not automotive is when it is dealing with superheroes and superhero biographies I'm thinking of from The Watchmen. Okay. Shout out to Who Pods The Watchmen. <laughs> At 12.51, Bill points out he used to be a writer is not any longer back when I still wrote by our reckoning, Matt. I think the last time he wrote was December of 2018. Yeah, I think at least Bill continues his inability to do promotional work this time for the co-produced podcast or co-promoted podcast between the ringer and luminary on Woodstock 99. He decides to save a syllable by pronouncing numerous assaults like this riots, looting, numerous assaults. It's really good. He didn't just save a syllable. He made it one word. Numerous salts. Numerous salts. It's like the, the Kevin Malone meme from The Office. I waste time, say lot word when few word do trick. At 22 minutes, Bill and House are discussing Westbrook potential trade partners. Bill, whose favorite thing to do is lay out potential scenarios, describes a scenario in which Miami and Dallas do a three-team trade with OKC in which Dallas gets Goran Dragic. Dragic. And, oh, yeah. Matt. <laughs> At least you corrected. Yeah. Where Dallas gets Goran Dragic and uh, Miami gets Westbrook, and I don't know what OKC gets out of it. House says, well, why would Dallas do that? Because Dallas just turned down Dragic in the inf now infamous uh, Sixers-Butler deal. Are you sure it's not Dragic? What did I say? Dragic. Goran Dragic. Dragic. Goran Dragic. Dragic. Oh, it's Dragic. Yeah, okay. sorry. Just so, shades of Shea Jilgis <laughs> Alexander. House says, why would Dallas take Dragic? They just had the opportunity to take Dragic and made it clear that they were not interested in doing that. Approximately three weeks ago, right. that happened. Yes. Bill says, that's the problem with the trade. That's well, the problem with this trade. Dallas? 
No shit, Bill. But you are the one who suggested the trade. I don't understand. It can't happen then. This thought exercise is predicated on things that have the potential to happen. You then set forth a scenario. House said, here's why it couldn't happen. You say, correct. <laughs> the problem with the trade between these teams <laughs> is that these teams do not want to participate in this trade. <laughs> Otherwise, it's fine. I assume that if given the chance, he would have said that somebody would have liked to look under someone else's hood. The underneath part of the hood is the best looking part <laughs> of the hood, in my experience. Apologies to Goran Dragic. At around 24 minutes in, Bill is making the point that he thinks Oklahoma City got around 200 cents on the dollar in the trade uh, that they made with the Clippers in order to give Paul George to the Clippers. House asks Bill if he really does think it was that valuable. Did they? Is it 200 cents? Where do you oh, think yeah. those picks are going to be? Bill Simmons goes on to explain something that is totally unrelated. Well, the, here's my question. You have Bradley Beal, right? Yes. The thing is, uh, we, we're not trading Bradley Beal unless you... At the end, finally gets House to agree to some other number, and that's the end of it. 100% I would take that right away. Would you take 50%? No. Bill never justifies <laughs> his estimate that it's worth 200 cents on the dollar and instead just changes the subject. At 32.55, Bill hits a home run on this joke <laughs> by the way he pronounces appetite. What's their appetite for doing? So how well, quickly is this worried about Embiid's appetite? Matt, you may not know this, and, and I only picked this up from an expert of Bill's level, but if you put a different emphasis on a word, it just becomes hilarious. The different emphasis on the <laughs> wrong syllable. <laughs> you did it. Perfect, perfect. Zappetite. At 42.45, Bill does not understand how dominoes work. All these dominoes go differently. Some of the dominoes went this way. Some went the other. Some didn't fall down at all. Typically, dominoes fall, and then the pattern continues. They all continue. In order for dominoes to go differently, I mean, the only option is, I guess, backwards. You have to start at the other end. Well, I guess you could have a domino go laterally, but then it probably wouldn't knock the next domino no, over. No, it, it would just stop. Stop. <laughs> yeah. At 45-32, Bill Simmons swallows. Well, but that's what I'm saying. Like, if, ah, this is. At 46-30, during an ad for Callaway, Bill clearly pretends that House is present for the ad read. Kyle, mute House's mic. But he is not. Because I don't want him in the background screaming, fairway rolling here. Here's how we know. He tells Kyle to mute House's mic. Mute House's mic. But we know from our experience in listening to Bill Simmons' podcast that if House's mic were muted, we could still hear House. Yes. Because his audio would bleed into Bill's mic just the same way it always does whenever Kyle is asked to speak on the podcast. I don't think House is there. He doth protest too much. It's like in Toy Story where uh, Woody is trying to convince them all that Buzz is uh, really there and he has his like dismembered arm and he's using it to pretend. <laughs> That's what Bill is doing here. Ha ha, right House? Oh, you can't hear him, but I promise he's here. Mr. Ego, Bill Simmons, at 114.23. Fourth on the ego list, though. <laughs> well, fourth seed. That doesn't yeah. mean he wouldn't necessarily win. From the committee's perspective, he would be least likely to win. Yes. Or his body of work would yes. suggest that he would get a fourth seed. There's a discussion about who, with Shea, House, and Bill, who would assume what position during a bank robbery. Oh, yes. House says he wants to be the driver. Bill immediately takes issue. Why did you want to be the driver? Because I'm the greatest driver in America. You've seen it. You drove with me yesterday. <laughs> Who's better than me? Nobody. House responds and has specific examples of why Bill should not be the driver. Other than ignoring the ways and adding an hour and 20 well, minutes that, to our that trip. That was a directional issue. Bill then says the issue was not with his driving, 
the issue was with his directions. Yes. And House correctly points out, directions seem like they would be a pretty decent issue when you're trying to get away from a bank yes. robbery. That was a directional <laughs> issue. Well, that's important to a bank robber getaway guy. It also appears that the issue wasn't with his directions. The issue was with him refusing to follow the directions. The I direction matters. No, I don't trust Waze anymore. Well, what are you going to use? Waze has betrayed me too many times. No, <laughs> I would know the escape. Important for bank robbery purposes. Approximately 24 minutes later, Bill has a mea culpa moment and realizes he botched it. I screwed up. I fully admit with the Waze. Didn't listen to the Waze. <laughs> he doesn't go back on his, I'm the greatest driver, but he does realize maybe I should have listen to ways. Yes, he concedes. At 1-2026, this nomination for the Joe Bluth Award of the Week. What, what else? When, when, when's your book coming up? Should, 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 should. At 1-2933, Bill Simmons swallows. Cards would just come out and get spat out. At one hour and 35 minutes, Bill says he loves feedback. I love we feedback. Need, Bill, we got some feedback for you. Don't swallow it to the mic. Learn how to say people's names. Be logical. Be rational. Respond to questions with relevant answers. At 139.39, one of my favorite parts of the week, Bill is describing his biggest nightmare. As you would imagine, it has something to do with a family member being injured or a terminal illness or some financial. Oh, wait, no, Matt. It has nothing to do with any of those things. Yachts. It has to do with a rich man's boat. Probably my, my number one biggest nightmare is being on a yacht. And sewage. <laughs> Being on a yacht where something happens with the sewage. This is bizarre as shit. Yes. His worst nightmare involves a yacht and sewage. His number one oh, pet yes. peeve involves <laughs> international cell phone <laughs> contracts. I think the problem is Bill relies on hyperbole too much. Bill's worst nightmare, the worst one, involves being stuck on a yacht. Not a cruise ship, a yacht. So yes. This implies extreme <laughs> richness. Yeah, and super specificity. Yes, being stuck on a yacht that has a sewage problem. Yeah. So it'll be not a tsunami smelly. during a tsunami. No, oh. well, that I mean, obviously that. Oh, I mean, realistic. Not a tsunami issue because <laughs> yes. his number one nightmare needs actually to be realistic. <laughs> yes. Also, Al says, "Is it a tsunami?" To which Bill says, "I mean, realistic." What the fuck, Bill? How is you being on the the ship? Yacht more realistic than the tsunami yacht. I guess maybe there are yacht shit problems more frequently than there <laughs> yes. are tsunami yacht problems. Yes. He gives one example, and yeah. I don't think it was a yacht. And it, it didn't was happen a to him. Ship. No. Bill does not have nightmares about debilitating illness. He doesn't have nightmares about apocalyptic scenarios. No, losing the all worst. this money, something bad happening to his kids or his nope. wife or to himself. The worst one, Rich Bill, yeah. involves your yacht. I can only imagine that this nightmare could be made worse if prior to going on the yacht, he yeah. had to notify his mobile telephone provider that he was leaving the country. No! At 146.32, during a highly synergistic moment of promotion, Bill asks Kyle if he saw something. Did Just, you see it, Kyle? No. Kyle did not. Have not. Did not see it. At 147.12, Bill tries to say institutionalized. She was introduced as and fails. At 148, they discuss Euphoria, which I have not watched because it seems it. Very uncomfortable. Wow. I did do some internet searching to find more about this scene that he's describing. And it seems that Bill is describing a scene in which one of the characters on the show uh, engages in some sort of like online hey show. That's like porn. a cam show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was looking for. Yeah, um, pretending like you don't know about Cam. So, shows, Matt. and Bill refers to it as this, Chris. She's feeling her oats in the, in the porn scene. 
I don't know what that means. I assume he was trying we to say the word oats. <laughs> I assume he was trying to say sows her oats, which would have clearly been a metaphor. Feels her oats in porn makes it sound gross. She's feeling her oats in the, in the porn scene. Yeah, and also not delicious. <laughs> yeah, it sounds. It makes it sound like oats is a euphemism. Speaking of delicious. Here are the things Bill found delicious last week. Mm. Mm. This season, mm. any game. Mm. At 156.14, Bill attempts the 25-cent vocabulary word, hagiography. They're not interested in the hagiography of Roger Ailes. At 158.07, Bill can't help himself. He's promoting Cliff Bar, and it makes him so hungry, he has to swallow during the ad. <laughs> Visit cliffbar.com slash BS for 35% off a trial pack of Cliff Bar's new whole lot of bars. Cliff Bar with one F. He was having a nightmare about eating a Cliff Bar. <laughs> on a yacht. On a yacht. <laughs> with no cell service or roaming cell service. <laughs> Matt, you know what's really gratifying? To see so many guys today enjoying tobacco. You're darn tootin'. But they can do it without lighting up, Matt. Just like us. I'm kind of partial to Skull for the wintergreen flavor. I like the straight tobacco. From Copenhagen. <laughs> That's the one. There's a new product for beginners. It's called Happy Days. Chris, where do you put the tobacco? Just a pinch between the cheek and gum is all it takes, Matt. As Bill would say, mmm. Copenhagen, Skull, and Happy Days. Proud to be official sponsors of the 13th Olympic Winter Games in Lake Placid. You know, it's really gratifying to see so many guys today enjoying tobacco without lighting up. Just like me, they've gone smokeless. Now, I'm kind of partial to Skull with the wintergreen flavor. Or for straight tobacco taste, try Copenhagen. Or mild happy day. Great if you're just starting out. There you go. But whichever, just a pinch between your cheek and gum is all it takes. And I'm mighty proud to say that Copenhagen Skull and Happy Days are official sponsors of the 1980 Winter Olympics. Now, the second pod of the week is weird. It's introduced as almost an emergency pod. Yes. Bill says he got a FaceTime from his son while he's driving, which is weird. A, that he takes a FaceTime while he's driving, and B, that his son doesn't call him but yes. FaceTimes him. But maybe his son has like a device that doesn't have a, a cell plan, and but he's able to use Chris, data. Chris, Bill's son definitely has a cell phone. One, Bill, extremely rich, can definitely afford it. Two, Bill has no qualms about giving his son whatever the fuck he was. Yeah, that's true. You're right. So I don't know why he takes the FaceTime call or why his son makes the FaceTime call. But his son tells him, hey, Westbrook has been traded to Houston, which is a pretty big deal. Yeah. Bill then turns around and goes back to the office or the studio, which is weird because it seems like a lot of his recordings are done in his very hot home studio. Yes. But in this case, he goes back to presumably the Ringer studio. Kyle, however, is not there because busy Kyle is working on editing, presumably, or producing, presumably, the podcast that was just recorded with Sal because we know it wasn't the Westbrook aspect because Bill tells us that. And we know it wasn't the Camille aspect because that was done Several weeks prior? Yes. Kyle is too busy working on a 45-minute <laughs> podcast to turn around. And then we get the delightful Jim Cunningham. Yes, backup Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> Who probably is actually smarter and more effective I'm than Kyle. I'm certain of it. At 35 seconds in, Bill attempts to pronounce quality. Quality. And you know that syllable he saved from numerous salts? <laughs> he found it. At 203, Pearl Jam. At 404, another of my personal pet peeves. Not one of my biggest, but it's a personal pet peeve, et cetera. Et cetera, et cetera. Yes. Listeners of this podcast, Chris, will be familiar with the fact that 
That is a pet peeve of yours. <laughs> <laughs> there was apparently a live interview. Oh, yeah. In Are we ever going to hear this? No. I want to hear it for a number of reasons. One of which is, it seems like Ryan and Daryl Morey possibly Argue? are antagonistic towards each other. Yeah, I wish I could have heard it as well. Uh, and you know what makes the most sense is producing it, discussing it ad nauseum, but not making it available. What's weird about it is they continue to refer to it as a live podcast, which is really bizarre because doesn't that mean that you're going to air it at some point? Although at this point, it's like... So dated. I mean, maybe they're just saving it. We have moved on almost from the NBA free agency period. I, I mean, they're really milking it. I think we're at that point now where what? NFL training camp starts in like 10 days. Yes, finally. I'm not sure you really have a ton of content until maybe like the preseason game. So that's like the beginning of August. I mean, I think we're going to be in about a three-week period where there's just going to be nothing. Bob Bill actually girl. made a comment on the pod today about uh, how, other than the British Open, there's no content on the ringer. During a discussion of the Vegas pod or interview or whatever you want to call it, show, Bill says that Daryl Morey, the GM of the Houston Rockets, made a good case for it not being true that Westbrook would come to Houston. Is Bill saying that Maury, who I think he considers a friend, just lied? Yeah, there's a little bit of, not trash talking, but he definitely is a little bit, Bill's a little bit antagonistic towards Daryl. At 1639, Bill Simmons swallows. They clearly felt they weren't, nothing else was going to happen. At 1920, Matt, in my experience, when things are nipped, they are nipped at. Bill, however, sees it differently. And then there's a bunch of rookies nipping on his heels. They are not nipping on his heels. (laughs) They are nipping at his heels. At 2410, a snort. No, no, stop it. Don't be gross. <laughs> At 30 minutes and five seconds during the Cousin Sal portion, there's a conversation about what Bill and Sal do for a living. Obviously, there's opinionists and they're journalists, and we're still opinionists, right? Or are you a journalist? Now, Sal is a comedy guy, he's a comedy writer, and he appears on a Fox Sports show about gambling. So maybe he's a pundit? He points out accurately that neither one of them is a journalist. That's not actually what he says. He asks Bill, is he considered to be an opinionist or a journalist? Yeah, and side point, an opinionist? Yes. Bill says... What are you? I, who knows at this I know, point? It's so blurry right now. Yeah. I know, Bill. <laughs> the answer to at least the journalist portion is... No. You have never been a journalist. (laughs) You have always been like an editorial guy or an opinion writer. You've never been a journalist. You never break stories. You never research stories. It's always thought. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. That's just not what you are. He says, who knows at this point? Who knows at this point? The implication being at some point he was a journalist. Yeah, never was. I don't know why this guy has an MVP vote. He still does. (laughs) Yeah. Because of his opinions, his name is on the ballot. But he definitely bets on it. You think he bets on the MVP? Well, I think it's just like, hey, Sal, you should make this bet. At 31-15, Bill continues his defense of Jalen, who said there was a 99% (laughs) chance uh, that Kawhi was going to return to Toronto. We've covered this. But that's thing I felt bad for Jalen because yeah. he was right. Jalen tweeted right after that, yes. that. And then he's also been on TV since yes. or on the radio or on, or on some podcast. He was on like Get Up. He didn't say what Bill says. What he said is, I was wrong. Bill continues after Jalen says that. This is now a week later to say Jalen was not wrong. Just give it up, Bill. I, I don't understand it's the so rationale. Bizarre. Why would he do this? I mean, yeah, Jalen seems like a great guy. Jalen seems like a great friend. He's a fun guy to listen to. He was a great basketball player. Why do you have to defend something when it's obviously indefensible? It's just so and also, bizarre. there's no point in defending this. I wonder if there's like backbiting go on going on where people who don't like Jalen are saying like, "Ha this guy was wrong," and Bill is for whatever reason trying. But Jalen isn't even doing. That's the part I don't understand. It'd be one thing if Jalen was trying to rehabilitate his image or to pat his- himself. Yeah, he's not. At thirty-two forty-five, Bill says he was stunned. The Paul George stuff never came out. I was stunned that the Paul George stuff never came out. And what I think he means is the fact that Paul George wanted out of Oklahoma City. 
yes, I'll note that just a podcast or two ago, Bill alleged that he had heard about it. Again, I will remind you, listeners, uh, he had never said anything about that to anybody. Right. And then when he asked Mark Stein whether or not Mark Stein had heard it, Mark Stein said no, like as if it was ridiculous to right. uh, think that it was even the case. I don't know what Bill is talking about. I can only guess that he has been caught in a lie and just doesn't <laughs> know how to work himself out of it. He said he'd heard it. Everybody else in the world seems to think that there was no indication of this, that this was very like you know, spur of the moment. Now he's trying to backtrack. Oh yeah. I can't believe nobody here. It's just very bizarre. It is shades of the Jalen defense. Yes. He's in too deep. At 35, 20, my notes say weird breath and background. Three and a half. <laughs> at 45, 05, Bill again references his former career when he used to write. Well, a journalist at some point. <laughs> Back when I used to write. This is twice in a week. He references the fact that he used to be a writer. Yeah. At 47, 54, a discussion about Cousin Kyle's injury while riding a bird scooter. Kyle says that the people at the ER that treated him say they see five or six of these scooter-related injuries a day at the ER. And then Bill wonders this. Bird scooters are the new market inefficiency for ER? Bill loves to throw in these buzzwords and buzz phrases. I don't think he knows what a market inefficiency is. Now, this is a classic example of Bill trying to sound smart. It's like for the longest time he would use the word disruptive. Yes. But I never felt like what he was doing was truly disrupting things. It was basically a slightly different take on something that was already being undertaken, not something new that would destroy it. Like, for instance, a disruptive technology is getting your glasses from the internet or getting your mattress from the internet. Having a website that has stories about pop culture and podcasts is not disruptive. No. It's just you're putting a new spin on an old medium. Also, a market inefficiency, according to Wikipedia, <laughs> you can never be wrong. A market inefficiency, also known as a market anomaly, is a financial market is when a price and or rate of return distortion seems to contradict the efficient market hypothesis. Another example I saw is when a certain talent or aspect of a game isn't valued monetarily or financially properly. For this to be a market inefficiency, it would have to be as if the ERs realized they could earn more money by catering to the scooter injury crowd and therefore targeted the scooter injury crowd and it became lucrative for them. Which makes no sense because the way ERs market themselves, the only way really, is we do a good job taking care of your emergency. Yeah, or if you show up with an emergency, we will see you quickly. Yes, there's never been an ER that caters to it. Now, here could be a market inefficiency, the, the rise of urgent care centers, right? This idea that there are some things that don't actually require an emergency room visit, but do maybe require more uh, serious or more... Uh, you don't have to wait for a doctor's appointment. Than a doctor's appointment, right? That was a market inefficiency. Now maybe isn't anymore because they're so prevalent. This makes no sense, Bill. Another example of Bill's attempt to shoehorn financial jargon into everyday life, or at least into his podcasts, is his use of market correction. And he loves to talk about how actresses in particular, presumably actors, I've never noticed it, but actresses in particular have been market corrected. So for instance, he'll say, Ashley Judd market corrected Bridget Moynihan, or something like that. He's wrong. <laughs> it feels like his staff has adopted it. A market correction, Wikipedia, <laughs> is a rapid change in the nominal price of a commodity after a barrier to free trade has been removed and the free market establishes a new equilibrium price. It may also refer to several of these single commodity corrections en masse as a collective effect over several markets concurrently. I don't know what the fuck he's talking about, how it's a market correction that one actress suddenly gets a lot of work that another <laughs> actress could have gotten. How about this? I got one for you, Matt. Suddenly, Netflix realizes that it doesn't matter how well a certain actress performs in movies, that is to say, whether or not she's a good actress, but because of her physical appearance, 
all of her movies do great. Netflix realizes we can get a lot more traffic if we have a lot more actresses who look just like her in movies, and it doesn't really matter if the script is any good. And in fact, we can pay less for the scripts and produce the movies more cheaply as long as we have the actress who looks like this actress and we get a lot more traffic. And none of the other competitors realize that by doing so, they're getting a bunch of free traffic, not based on the quality of the performance or based on the quality of the script or production, just by how somebody looks. And they're able to hang on to that market lead until the other uh, players in the market realize that they can also adopt that approach and suddenly the market is back to equilibrium. Well, that would be a example of Netflix taking a market inefficiency and then the market correcting itself. We did it. <laughs> Listeners, I hope you enjoyed that brief economic lesson. There's like a 75% chance we're both wrong. <laughs> At 52.07, Bill returns to last week's favorite stumbling block, E.T., When is that? That's 10 o'clock ET. Chris, uh, at the end of (laughs) Sal's portion of the segment, which we're pretty sure was actually the second in time recorded uh, part, they return to an old standby, uh, which I assume we'll get again once football season starts, Parent Corner. Now, Chris, as you know, I have often made fun and judged. uh, That's what it is. Bill's parenting style. And sometimes I feel bad about that. It's his kids. He can do, you know, raise them however he wants. If they turn out to be serial killers, that'll be on him. Bill gave us a shining example, uh, maybe a, a window into his psyche in regards to parenting. When God closes the door, he opens a window yes. into Bill's psyche. <laughs> so Bill announced that he has allowed his child, whose name on Netflix for his <laughs> Netflix uh, account is Dickhead. And then my son's name, which you've met, who it says Dickhead. Bill's son is 11. (laughs) So Bill buys his 11-year-old Grand Theft Auto. To begin this, Bill justifies it by trying to convince us that he was being a responsible parent. And when Ben Simmons was eight years old and asked for Grand Theft Auto, Bill said, no way, inappropriate. Eight is too young for a mature (laughs) video game. Three years later, he's well on his way. So we get Grand Theft Auto. Bill says that Grand Theft Auto is very violent. Not a not violent game. Sal points out, he says, yeah, they have a little label on it that's supposed to scare you away. I think they put a little rating on that. It's supposed to scare everyone away. Here's Bill's response. Yeah, it didn't scare off my kid. I mean, <laughs> no shit, Bill. It's not for the kid. It's for you. It's so you can look at the video game and say, huh, the people who want me to buy this video game are nonetheless indicating that it's probably inappropriate for my 11-year-old. Weird, Matt. Are you taking the position that video games are not meant to be self-policed by children? I think that's the position I'm taking, Chris. The window into his psyche is that he thinks that this sticker is designed to, to let Ben know, maybe I shouldn't play this because I'm 11. Presumably what Ben says is, well, what he says is he sees this sticker and he says, this is awesome. Yes. I'm 11. This there is a target. There to be sex and violence in this game. Can't wait. Ben Simmons, number one pet peeve, <laughs> is when his father enforces the industry-mandated warnings yes. about the appropriateness of video games. The good news, Chris, for Ben is it seems that his father never enforces this. Yeah, it is good news for Ben, <laughs> at least for right now. Yes. What is the age at which you can be charged as an adult in the state of California? At 133.55, Bill and Kumail are trying to impress each other with their great love and their great experience in watching horror movies. Kumail wonders if Bill has seen a specific movie. A really, really messed up one. And Bill tells Kumail he's sure he's seen it. I guarantee I've seen it. Kumail tells him the name. Martyrs? Did you see Martyrs? Bill's response? Martyrs? What's that? Hasn't seen it. Nice guarantee, (laughs) Bill. Nice, you jackass. Maybe Dickhead has seen it. (laughs) 
at 153.10, Bill points out that the podcast he did with Jack Dorsey, the guy who is in charge of Twitter, was actually really good. It was actually a really good pod, right? Can't believe you believe that. Matt, at 155.55, Bill and Kumail discuss the DNA companies. I think you probably agree with them. I agree. They don't want their DNA out there. Nobody can have my DNA. <laughs> the, the only way to get Matt's DNA is if you pry it from his cold, dead fingernails or hair or skin follicles or his gums, or you do it by court order or search warrant, or you do it while he's unconscious, or he has something to eat or drink and you come by afterward, or he leaves it somewhere else. Right. That's the only time. <laughs> At two hours, four minutes, and 10 seconds, there's a discussion about Alan Yang. He was part of the Master of None creative yeah. process. Hilarious show, great show. First season was. Second season is kind of artsy. <laughs> you don't like anything. <laughs> Bill points out that he knows Alan Yang. Yeah, do you yeah. know him? Yeah, I do. And Kumail tries to move on, but Bill doesn't let him. Uh, yeah, and he's, uh, he's, Lee Eisenberg is another I'm on a basketball that. text thread with him. Did you hear me? I know him. Yes, let me explain <laughs> how. At 2.05.30. God, 2.05. Yeah, it's pretty long. Bill, sick and tired of Kumail, interrupts. <laughs> People yeah. kept waiting. What's Little America about? And frankly, Bill, we don't blame you at this point. Well, Matt, the podcast day is done, and I, for one, am tuckered out. I need to sit on a porch and relax some skull. Maybe watch the sunset with a nice, hearty Copenhagen. That natural tobacco flavor sits so well between my cheek and gum. Maybe we'll invite Ben Simmons over and let him try out Happy Days. For beginners. It's the Bill Simmons Podcast Podcast. I'm Matt. And I'm Chris. Matt, when I like to relax, there's nothing I like more and chewing tobacco. I love it. And mostly... <laughs> and mostly, I love it when the flavor remains for a long time. It's delicious. Like gum. And most people are willing to overlook the gross brown spit and... <laughs> the weird jaw protrusion. And mouth cancer. That's why we're proud to be sponsored by Skull. Tobacco.